0: we would be honored if you would. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers where we have returned. The fish have been eaten, the bees Bum, ba, da, da, and well the sun is shining in some parts of the world. Maybe others it's not, but that's okay. We're back. The holidays are over. Some of us drank way too much eggnog, some of us didn't drink any eggnog, and some of us may have consumed way too much sugar. Yeah, I'll admit that was me.
1: Um, 100% this guy.
0: Yeah, well, you know, when you have three birthdays right after Christmas. Right? Between Christmas and New Year's Eve, you're just destined to, unfortunately, consume way too much sugar. Uh, which is really sad, because I used to enjoy <laughs> getting a cheesecake for my birthday, and now at this point, I'm just like, I don't
1: want any more sugar. Please go away. Um, totally understand. Can we maybe just have like a salad or something?
0: Mm.
1: You mean like fruit salad? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or fruit cake. Well, hey, Happy
0: New Year, everybody! Yes.
2: Happy New Year, folks! New
0: Year. Twenty twenty is over. It is now twenty twenty one, which is really crazy because, um yeah, the podcast was started in December of two thousand eight. You do the math. I'm just gonna
1: leave it at that. It was so. in 2008, so 13 years now. 13 years. Well, 12 years and change, right? Yes. There you years.
2: go, this will be your 13.
1: This
0: is yeah. year 13,
1: yes. We are in our 13th, yeah. Yes, we're a
0: teenager now. And we're nobody part- understands us. Yes, we're going through some changes. It's crazy.
2: You don't understand my fandom, dad. So are we just going to like randomly pitch shift the audio up and insert pops and squeaks for fun this year? Then? Dude, totally. That could be so much fun. Let's make that happen. It's like, and then, I don't know what's going on. And then three quarters of the way through the year, we'll just base shift everything. Yeah. We'll call it the Wesley Crusher
1: season one effect.
2: Hey, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers. We're here to talk about something. No. <laughs> uh. Now, for those of you who might be in that unfortunate category of still growing up, please understand we commiserate. We were there. It is funny once you get past it. Oh, my God. That is truth. It Don't is. worry. It gets better. You know,
0: it's like being a redhead, You know, being a ginger. When you're a ginger and a little kid, it's like everyone wants to rub your head. It is the most annoying thing in the universe. But then you get to an age where you do it. Um, you know, a buddy of mine, he, he's a fellow ginger and he did it to this one kid and this kid looked at him like, do that again. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, yeah, hit it in the crotch and he's like, dude, it's okay. I, I, I was a ginger too. I had it happen to me. And he's like, the little kid just kind of looked at him, nodded his head. Like, you know, my pain and then walked off. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's kind of like that. Yes, we know your pain. We know what how it is when you're trying to say something really cool and awesome and suddenly your voice cracks and goes, you know, and maybe you, you're walking up and you're talking to that girl that you really like now. For some reason, she set, she's gone from, hey, she was really cool to hang out with to like, man, I really want to talk to her. You, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you go to say something and your voice cracks. You get super embarrassed and then run down the hall.
1: We've been yeah. We've all been there. Yes, That's what makes Dungeon Crawler's a special place. We understand each other. We are your people.
0: Yes. And it's kind of like games, you know? You're excited for a game. You spend the money. You get it. You open up the
2: box and you go to play it. And you're like,
0: oh, man, this really was disappointing.
2: Sometimes that <laughs> happens. The other good news for all of you out there is that you are, in fact, the pretty person that we want to talk to. Oh, yes. Every day. Yes.
0: Wow. So, guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're just that awesome. So, this 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 intro has gone on really long. This became a diatribe. Is this still the intro? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I kind of got lost there. Anyways, so we're back. It's, it's 2021. We're excited to have you. A lot of cool things have happened. As we mentioned, we got a Discord server
1: up and running. We have some awesome people that have already answered the call and are on there. Heck yes. In fact, actually, we we put out a a quick poll. You might remember one of our last episodes of 2020. We were asking, hey, you know, this year has sucked, but there has to be some silver lining somewhere. And we asked the question, what is your favorite new fandom, game, book, or other nerdtastic discovery that you made during 2020? And we got some responses. In fact, I want to call a few of these out. Uh, Rogue428 said that one of his favorite shows, Robin of Sherwood, has brand new episodes available as audio dramas. And I don't know about you, but I really appreciate radio drama style uh, audio episodes. They're so good. And, and I appreciate Rogue because Rogue uh, is actually uh, is
0: Mike Haspel, uh, who's been on the show before. Yes. If listen to the Kroll episode, that is author Mike Haspel. Friend of the show. Yes, and if you haven't picked up his book, man, you really need to. It's really awesome. It's got vampires, it's got mummies, it's got a little, and, and you know, the main character is a mummy and, he, and he's a detective in modern day. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta pick it up. Yeah.
1: We also had a comment from Dalbus Gumbledore uh, and it says that they really enjoyed playing Star Wars Fallen Order last year which is fantastic because that game really was excellent for, for having had such a, such a famine of respectable star Wars games for years. Now having Jedi fallen order hit the shelves and having played through that myself, that was excellent as a star Wars fan. The star, the story was absolutely excellent. Really love that. If you love star Wars and you have uh you have the ability to play video games get that game play it it's excellent
0: no i really enjoyed it i like the the aspect that they mixed in with the um oh man my mind is running blank now the they're all wearing black and you see them in rebels um
1: and they have the spinny lightsabers
0: man I'm, I'm sounding horrible today
1: um you well let's see are you talking about like the Zebrachians, the the no no, no 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 not the
0: the Colts the uh they're they're trained by Vader to go after and hunt Jedi oh isn't and, it like the droids no not the no not the droids oh okay like, the, the sixes huh. The Inquisitors. The Six Inquisitors, Sixers.
2: that's what it is. Invisitors. I don't know why
0: I couldn't remember that. What the heck?
2: I don't know why I couldn't uh, remember that. I, I really desperately wanted to let you just come to your own realization, but I realized the bit's been dragging on. So.
0: I know, I know. A bit.
2: This is a, <laughs> a bit. bit. <laughs> Man, this is dragging horrible. On.
0: This is what happens. Uh, no, the Inquisitors. I really like how they put in the Inquisitors. You got to, I mean, this is probably the first time we've ever really seen Kashyyyk ever yeah. in lots of detail
1: well um, well i mean we did see kashik quite a bit in uh the force unleashed but true. but i think you're right that fallen order gave us additional detail and we got to explore it in a way that we've never been able to in any previous game but wasn't that Force Unleashed two that you saw we saw kashik
0: um no i think it was force unleashed one i think okay, it was I'll, one i'll have to double check that it's been that long since i played that game so yeah
1: yeah but you're all up, like, in the tree houses. You're all up in the tree villages. You're not. Oh, that's right. You don't, you don't get to, like, You don't go on the ground plain. and go into the yeah. dark. Into the you don't dark. get to see, like, different biomes, right? And in yeah. Fallen Order, you get to see a, a little bit of everything. You get some water. You get some underground. You get some trees and, you some, know. Some
0: giant bugs that want to
1: eat you. Ugh. <laughs> but Especially yes, that game is jungle. fantastic. The game is fantastic. So thank you very much, Dolbus Gumbledore, for uh, chiming in on that one. I'm glad that you had a chance to play that during 2020 yes 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 and of course those of you just so you guys are uh, know what we're doing here we will be giving a call to action pretty much every episode and uh, we will post those in the discord server so join the discord server it's free and then you get to chime in on the topics that matter to us and we get to find out what topics matter to you
2: yeah
1: because you're part could- of the show
2: And you get to be part of the community, you get to be actively engaging in what's going on, helping us to not only hear your thoughts and opinions and the things that you'd like to see and talk about, but also help to really be part of it, be part of what we do and who we are. And even though you've always been in our hearts, this is your chance to be in our Discord server.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, when we have upcoming interviews of authors and and people, we're going to put that out there so that you can throw out some questions because we want to know what questions you want. Asked. And then
2: maybe, just maybe, your question will be asked. And as a thank you to everybody who is taking the time to join us early, Uh, we have gotten a couple of gift cards from Mythos Games that we're going to be giving out to a couple of the early joiners in the server. But we also have a raffle for the first 100 people who join the server, in which we're going to have some additional prizes. So make sure to pay attention to that and check it out each week.
1: Absolutely. And a big thank you to Mythos for that one. They volunteered those gift cards. We did not go panhandling for that one. That one was given to us as a show of support for the show. So thank you, Mythos. So, you know, 2020 sucked. 2021 inevitably is filled with potential and promise and hope, right? 2021 gives us an opportunity here to kind of, swing things into the positive direction now as 20 as 2020 was closing we went into our winter hiatus we went on winter break and just in keeping contact with each other we found that we had discovered and 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 uh, some things over the winter break or we had enjoyed some things that we hadn't seen before and we thought what a great way to kick off the year by calling out some of the cool things that we did or that we discovered or that we enjoyed right at the end of 2020 to kick off 2021 in the right direction. So uh, Elton, Elton, what were what were some of the cool things that you did or experienced or discovered during the winter break?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first off, A ton of games that have come out over the course of the year that I've been really wanting to get into. Um, Lots of board gaming, a little bit of time exploring some new RPG systems as well as working on my own, which was a lot of fun. But uh, the other really, really big one, you all have heard me talk about this before. You know it. If you don't love it, you need to try it. Twilight Imperium, the expansion, did in fact come out. And it is chock full of awesome content. And a huge thank you to my coworkers in particular, who found out that uh, the copy that I had ordered for myself was not going to arrive until at least the end of March, and called out to like 40 or 50 game stores across the country trying to find a copy, found one among the 20 plus people who responded in the first 24 hours. Um, got it shipped out to me and and surprised me with it. It was fantastic. So much new content and the other thing that's really really beautiful about it is that it does exactly what I believe an expansion should do, which is increase the amount of things that you can do without overcomplicating or overextending the rule set and gameplay to the point that it is either unrecognizable or that it's no longer reasonable to play. Um, A lot of times expansions add additional content, but they also add a lot of additional weight that makes it hard to be able to introduce to new players, Um, but that also adds a lot of playtime and makes it too difficult to really take on and and enjoy in a good piecemeal way. And Twilight Imperium is already a chunky, bulky game with a lot of moving parts, uh, a, a lot of deep strategy, even though the rule set is relatively simple. But it does just take time because there's a lot of interactions between players. The expansion, Prophecy of Kings, did an excellent job of helping everybody get their early game engines started more uh, quickly, which means that you're able to get deeper into your strategies and the strengths of your particular factions as you zip across the galaxy. It it really, I cannot speak highly enough about it. There are a lot of little details that they paid attention to in the way that they produced all of the additional uh, content and upgraded errata and cards and things like that that have turned this game up to 11. It was already great. It was already my favorite game of all time with the expansion. There's so much more to take in. And on top of that, they've announced um, monthly content going forward for tournament play where they'll be rolling out specialized maps and additional upgrade cards that you can add and things like that so i'm hoping that it's really going to turn into something fantastic that sounds amazing i've
1: i've never been able i've never played twilight imperium so i think that's something that you're going to have to help fix in my life just uh, just, just imagine risk in
2: space
0: with lots of laser cannons and spaceships and wormholes
1: sweet i've never played
2: risk See, that, and that's
0: dumbing it down
2: that, that, that really that really is though you know the way not my my short button when i'm describing it to people is that it is space risk on steroids but it's not about the combat um nice. you have to maintain a military presence um and you can technically win by eliminating your opponents however it's a 4x game with achievement point system and so because of that just attacking on its own is a difficult path to victory. There's also politics and trade, things that are very important exploration and being able to upgrade technologies, managing really a civilization and how it interacts with the other civilizations at the table is what leads players to victory. Nice. Um, And so because of that, you don't have to be somebody who sits there and crunches numbers and tries to figure out the optimal tactics of how many ships do I need to move into this system to win if you are willing to pay attention to what's going on at the table and work with other people to further everybody's goals, but mostly yours. Nice. And that turns it into a really fun game. A lot of nice politicking and uh, a really good time.
1: So, so that was Twilight Imperium. That was probably the, the brightest star in the center of your winter vacation universe. Uh, any other really awesome experiences during the winter break?
2: Uh, Yeah. Like I said, I I had some cool opportunities to be able to work on a number of uh, RPG systems, uh, one of my own, as well as consulting with a couple of other people, which has been fantastic, being able to get in and really get into the chunks of game design. Um, But the other thing that was really fun on top of it was that um, Mythos, who gave away the uh, uh, gift cards at the beginning of the stream here, Uh, was able to receive an exemption from the health department um, to be able to run events without having to pre-clear them ahead of time, Yes, which means that as long as we're, you know, following COVID procedures, everybody still has to be masked and there's a check-in process and things like that. But it's meant that we've been able to participate in a lot of really cool events there. Um, One of which is starting a West March style campaign, which is uh, for anybody who hasn't played a lot of RPGs or particularly a Westmarch style campaign, usually um, big campaigns are based on linear storytelling, right? Where you have a plot that you're following and you've got to get to the next step before you can get any further. And even if there are minor side quests and things like that, it's always in service of the end directive. But a Westmarch style campaign is very unique in that it is chronologically based and geographically based, not necessarily a strict throughput storyline that you have to follow. And so because of that, we're able to coordinate with players and DMs any day of the week. People can come in and participate in the campaign because you're choosing portions of this new continent that's opened up to explore. And as you do, everything that happens during that, uh, that one shot gets recorded. And at the end of the week, the DMs all get together, coordinate all of those details of what happened over the week and post a summary of everything that's gone on in the world and brings everybody up to date, which is really fun because in a situation like right now, where we can only have so many people at a table at a time and people get sick and people have work and there's all kinds of different things that come up. um, Even though it relies upon good GMs being able to coordinate with each other and produce meaningful story elements in every session it also provides a lot of flexibility and really interesting exploration of being able to play with different players and different dms and see different styles but also to be able to contribute to that overall story in a meaningful way that sounds excellent you know those are those are probably the the biggest things from my break uh i'm sure there are some other common items that we'll talk about a little bit further on but uh, Krebs, what's going on with you? Oh man, I, uh, I'm going to do my best to keep this as succinct as I can
1: because I actually kind of had a deluge of really cool nerdtastic things happen. Um, I just, I, I, I got a PS5 when it launched. And I've been really enjoying it. I've mentioned that on the show before. During the break, I was like, there are certain games I have to finish. They've been in my backlog for a while. I got to finish them. Number one on that list was The Last of Us 2. I've had that game since Father's Day. I started playing it on Father's Day and it was such an emotional commitment. And and it it took so much investment to get through that I kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, I was like, no, I'm going to finish this story before I see any more spoilers because I kept seeing those. And so I finished it. And it was by far one of the best games I've ever played and most certainly deserving of the Game of the Year awards it's been winning. In fact, uh, I saw an article the other day said that the, that game, uh, Last of Us 2, had won over 200 different Game of the Year awards. And I totally get it. The, the, there have been a number of people who have been making their 15 minutes of fame out of bashing on this game either the way that the game was was made like the process by which it was made or the way that the story was told or the 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 story decisions that occurred and the and In truth, as I look back on it retrospectively, understanding everything that's in the game now, I realize the vast... I'm not going to say everybody because some people just have differing opinions and that's okay. But it is my personal opinion that the vast majority of the people who have been trashing on this game for its story and for the decisions that director Neil Druckmann made, these are people who lack emotional maturity because this game forces you to experience very specific human emotions, very specific real world conflict in yourself while you're playing a simulation of an event that never happened. This game, it feels insulting to call it a game. We have other terms for movies. We have like, you know, you have flick when it's just you know, garbage popcorn entertainment type stuff. You've got movie when it's kind of middle of the road or ambiguous, and then you've got film when it crosses that line into art. And this experience is exactly that. It is an experience, not just a video game, not just something you play. It's something you experience. So Last of Us 2, phenomenal, absolutely spectacular. And anyone who has the opportunity to experience that title honestly should make the effort to do so. Uh, in addition to that, I finished the Spider-Man Miles Morales PS5 game. Uh, it The best way I can describe it is, it is it is exactly as good as the first game, just with a new context, new character. So it is a worthy successor to the first title. It is, it is a wonderful experience in itself, also available for PS4 and PS5. Um, and then I started discovering a bunch of stuff. I, I, I Well, I finished a book that I was reading. Um, it was a, a military drama um, called Tier One. Uh, really enjoyed that. But then my wife for Christmas got me Ready Player Two and I started reading that. And just like, well, similar to Miles Morales and Spider-Man, Ready Player Two has the same voice, the same humor, the same pacing as Ready Player One, but now with new and identifiable context and it's an intriguing story. I'm about a hundred pages into it now, um, absolutely loving Ready Player Two as much as I loved Ready Player One. And I was really worried I wouldn't. I was really nervous it would not be as good, um, but no, it absolutely lives up to the first book's stature. Uh, and then I started discovering a whole bunch of board games, tabletop games. I've been playing Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-earth, which is an app driven co- player Mwah. cooperative game. Yes, yes. Mwah. That's right. It is wonderful. I'm having a hard time finding the expansion as you well know, Elton. Um, have, it's like impossible to find right now because it's so good. They can't keep it on shelves and they can't keep it anywhere. Um, awesome, fantastic. Uh, similar in, in that ilk, Is I finally, after years of waiting, I finally pulled the trigger and got Star Wars Imperial Assault. It's uh, it is um, in terms of development a predecessor to Journeys in Middle Earth, and so Journeys in Middle Earth has some improvements, but same idea, uh, app driven uh, scenario with cooperative playtime, which my wife and I adore. I've been playing a board game called Dice Forge, where you're where you're competing with each other to be the next chosen demigod in the Pantheon. And you do this by taking a pair of six-sided dice where every face is interchangeable and you use your resources to buy more powerful die faces to earn more points before the end of the game. And once you know what you're doing, that game plays in like 20 minutes or less. Uh, I I got the expansion for it for Christmas. And that one is awesome. It does exactly what you were talking about, Alton, where it adds quality and value to the game without making the game untenable or unmanageable. Uh, and I also for Christmas got Zombie Fifteen. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I'm a big fan of a little board game called Zombicide. Wait, you like zombies? Yeah, I don't. I don't huh? know if you knew that. And Zombicide? Yeah, zombie Yes, yeah, this board game. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. I know it's almost like unheard of. Um, but I'm super into Zombicide, and this game is very Zombicide-esque. It is scenario-driven, cooperative, modular board, very much like Zombicide, except that you play the game listening to a soundtrack that is exactly. Fifteen minutes long, and in that soundtrack there will be cues for spawning zombies. When that happens, you stop everything you're doing, spawn the zombies, resolve that, continue your turn. Uh, but you have to meet your goal in the fifteen minutes before the music ends. If the music ends and you have not reached your goal, you lose. And I have to tell you, it it is so much fun to play as a family but it puts both my children on like the edge of their anxiety thresholds. When we're done, they're like, oh my gosh, we did it. But then they're like super amped uh, for like the next hour. That's because they can't come down from that excitement. It's super great Love, game. It. Love it. And and I, some other card games I got into, some other board games I checked out, but these are sort of like the highlights. It was, it was a deluge of discovery. I just started playing Control for PlayStation. I know that's an older title, but... Uh, you know, by these standards, but um, that game is blowing my mind with how fantastic it is. I, I, it's almost a sleeper in some respects. I did not re, I, I heard it was good. I did not realize how good it was until I started playing it, and now I realize just what a treasure it is. So, I can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, had a wonderful, wonderful winter break, discovering things that brought me joy despite the garbage of 2020. Daniel, hey Daniel, what was the silver lining in your 2020 cloud? What did you discover no. during the winter break? No, I've been, I've been thinking about this. Um,
0: so I had a couple of things. So, first off, I have all the expansions for uh Imperial Salt, except oh, for we one, have to play except for one, and that which one are you one, missing? Uh, which is uh, the little the Lethal one, so Tyrants of, of yeah, Tyrants, Tyrants of Lothal. it's at Mythos. Yeah. So it is, I it is, to. it's the only one I'm missing. Um, great game, I love it. I've been painting all the minis. Um, yeah, so for me, um, there's actually two games that I got, uh, that I've been really enjoying. The first one is Mysterium.
1: Mm, um, good choice. Very
0: much like Clue, but you know, the ghost can't talk to you. It has to show images. And um, how I, many games playing,
2: that have you played so far?
0: How many? Uh, about four. Nice. Uh, uh, and so I, I, I've been playing with a good buddy of mine and his family, and we've determined that his son sucks at being the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I was, I did, I think I did pretty, pretty good. Um, it's a fun game. I like the the dichotomy in it, where the ghost is trying to communicate to you w- who the murderer is, what room, what weapon, but they're doing it through the imagery of the cards, and it's totally random, and you have to kind of determine how best to, to convey this message using those cards. Um, so that's really fun. Another one I picked up. Um, which is a, a callback to my childhood, which is uh, Fireball Island.
1: <gasps> Classic.
0: Yes, I, I love it. I've been
1: playing it with my kids. they how's, like, how's the reboot?
0: It's actually been pretty good.
1: I've enjoyed it. Do uh, they still have like the the vacuum form island? Yep. Oh, yep. that makes me so happy.
0: And you know, you you still put it together, and everything still shifts around. It's the only thing I don't like. Is the cardboard helicopter and the cardboard maw. So, but I found some prints. So, I, I'm going to 3D print those so that nice. I can just put those together. Cause I just worry about, cause you can't put it back together in the box. You got to undo it. And I just worry every time yeah. I part, that cardboard's going to get mashed up. But yeah. Otherwise, it's fantastic. It's lots of fun. Um, yes. My, my younger kids don't quite get the point to it but they like <laughs> running around and then throwing fireballs down and and stuff like that um but it's still just as fun as when i was a kid um i got a couple transformers at those people that don't know transformers are my rubik's cubes wait a minute you like uh, transformers yes 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 i do I got a, another Optimus Prime and another Starscream, which is really funny because as a kid, I never owned a single Decepticon in my life. It was such a tragedy. I love the Autobots, so that's all I had was Autobots. I didn't realize you didn't own any, any Decepticons. Yeah, I didn't as know a that. kid, none. I didn't have any Decepticons. Was that coincidental or was that like a parent thing? No, that was just me. I, huh. I, that, I never asked for any of them. Um, I always thought Megatron looked really dumb uh, <laughs> when you transformed him. Um, you know, with the, you know, the trigger there sitting, pointing out of his crotch. It just looked weird. <laughs> um, but now as I've gotten older, I have a Megatron. I have an old classic Starscream. I now have a Cybertron version, uh, Starscream. So mm. that was awesome.
1: That's so cool. Um,
0: I still, one of my favorite Decepticons, I still have never gotten, I've never had one is Soundwave. Yeah. And I know they're gonna be releasing a new one with the, the new cartoon series on Netflix, but I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, so that's another thing I, I watched over the break is the new uh Earthrise uh season two of the Transformer trilogy that's on Netflix. So that was enjoyable and interesting and uh there was some interesting things that they threw in there. So nice. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, since it was pretty low-key, uh, yeah, Mandalorian had to to wrap um, up.
1: That. Oh, Mando season two. Uh, Warning, this will take up the rest of the episode. So, you know, and not as as epic as some of the things
0: you guys have had, but it was still enjoyable, so
2: no no the 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 rest of the season of mandalorian was pretty epic and and this is the fair warning again to anybody out there who is trying to keep themselves spoiler free and has somehow resisted the urge to just finish it out finish it out we will forgive you then come back and press play because holy cow dan i need to know that last episode where were you at emotionally
0: Uh, emotionally, um, you know, I, I I know a lot of people came to tears, um, in in the end I was, I didn't cry, but I was giddy as a, as a kid, you know, it brought back so much joy and happiness. Um, you know, I still remember the feelings, what it was like, uh, watching empire strikes back. Uh, mm-hmm. what it was like watching Return of the Jedi and seeing Luke with his lightsaber and jumping around as a Jedi Knight. Um, mm. And that final confrontation with Darth Vader, I really feel that we finally got the Luke we deserved.
1: Yes. You know,
0: seven, eight, and nine, we did not get a Luke Skywalker that was worthy of anything, in my opinion. Um it, his character made zero sense to me, you know, here is an individual that through all of the, you know, after finding out who his father is, you know, goes against everyone in the galaxy saying he is beyond reach, he is beyond saving, this is the most vicious, darkest, evilest individual in the entire known galaxy and yet you want to save him i'm sorry that's a pipe dream and yet he still says there's good in him i can feel it i know it and he goes i mean this is a this is a speck of goodness that he can he feels and goes and fights against the emperor and redeems his dad and yet in these films there's a speck of possibility that his nephew is going to go dark and he goes to kill him. What the heck? Yeah. And yes, I get it. He had he he. There's a moment he goes like, "Oh crap! What am I doing?" And then of course Ben freaks out. But and then he goes and cuts himself off from the force. What? Yeah. Come on. He got his hand lopped off after failing to fight Darth Vader. Drops down a huge pit and then still comes back to try to save his dad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year we had a really intense talk, a couple of episodes, yeah, if I recall correctly, about ways that we could have fixed the script in seven eight to try to help assuage some of the problems that were there. But to be completely frank, what we saw at the end of Mandalorian is the way that Luke should have entered the picture to begin with. This is oh yeah, way. yes, it's, it's just what it should have been. And and on on my side, um, I and this is kind of a a a sign of how jaded i've become i suppose i didn't dare hope as i watched the x-wing come in and i see the little r2 unit i'm like okay and then you know he's facing away from the camera and you see the lightsaber come out so it's a single lightsaber so okay but you know uh, there's no way and then it's still black and white on the monitor yeah, and 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 every every additional shot that establishes and just slowly eases Luke back into existence. The first time I watched the episode, I just I was just incredulous more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> absolutely did not want to hope for it until it was all said and done. Yeah, because I was just waiting for the boot to drop and I was prepared to be hurt again. Um. But then after it was done, it was like all of the anxiety in my body just released. <laughs> and then the second time I watched it, I cried uh, because that type of that type of hope, that calm, persistent confidence, like, um, you know, an, an excellent analogous scene not one-to-one of course but very similar is the darth vader hall scene yes. in rogue one right yes. like this is the antithesis to that but they both establish the same thing which is what is the driving energy behind this character both of these characters at their prime right now are virtually unstoppable forces yes right but where we saw all of the fear and the anger and the i'm just here to kill everybody and take everything down and nothing between me and my goal from Vader on the opposite side of things. Now we see Luke showing up and even in the way that he holds himself, the way that he works through everything that's going on, there's just this calm, peaceful reassurance, not that um, there's no weakness in it, but it is very much just being one with what's going on and, and really moving towards an inevitability because that's the way of things not because i'm forcing it to be so and that even just the the blocking and the way that he was represented physically on the screen really really warms the cold hockles of my heart
1: a hundred percent agree my experience was like a perfect combination of of your two experiences um when i I'm sitting there. I'm watching what's going on. There were some things in the episode that I had called um, not particularly mind blowing, but you know, the, the, um, oh, what are those things called? The terror, the terror troopers. Uh, when they're. Dark troopers. Oh, dark troopers, excuse me. Thank you. Yeah, when the dark troopers are um, airlock ejected into space, I was like, they don't need to breathe and they have jets. They're going to be back. And sure enough, here they come, but they did such a great job. Um, Favreau and Filoni did such an amazing job establishing just how genuinely awful one dark trooper is, let alone a platoon. And then, you know, we get to this situation where it's like, well, they're breaking through blast doors. What are we going to do? And then here comes this X-Wing banking around. And I was like, Alton. I didn't dare to hope. My very first reaction was, oh, maybe it's Ahsoka. They've already established her for the episode. Uh, And, you know, if there's one thing Jedi love, it's flying X-Wings. So, yeah, that could work. And then as it was docking, like, as they look on the monitor and the X-Wing is parking, my brain immediately switched. And it was like, wait a second. It could be Luke. I thought, this show happens just a handful of years after Return of the Jedi. This could be young Luke's, this could be Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. And I thought, no, 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 don't hope for it. But out loud, I said that it might be Luke. And then we get that black and white uh, image of him in his cloak walking through the docking bay. And I'm like, well, Ahsoka has a cloak like that too. I don't know, I don't know. Then he gets in the hallway and it's still black and white. So you see one lightsaber, but it could be white. Doesn't have to be green. And my brain was just fighting. It was just like, oh, don't hope. But I was like literally physically on the edge of my seat. And I was getting that giddy childlike feeling. I saw Return of the Jedi in theaters in 1983 before I was five years old. And I remember it, it is still in my brain. And I remember watching Luke Skywalker when he was about to be thrown into the Sarlacc pit and instead he does like a half twist propels himself upward catches the lightsaber from R2 and goes to town and I had that childhood moment again and as I'm watching and then they cut to the shot where he's in the hallway and it's not the security camera and there's color and there's that green lightsaber blade just screaming as he's Thrashing through the troopers and i'm just like oh my gosh it's freaking luke and i'm just like losing my mind i was like yelling out i was like oh yes and i was just like freaking out my kids were like yeah dad it's luke what why are you so excited i'm like you don't understand what i've been through and then we just like we're we're watching the scene and he's just phenomenal he's the best luke we've ever seen and he finally gets to that moment where he where he gets to the doorway of the bridge, and Din turns around and says, Open the door. And they open the door and he asks him if he's a Jedi, which is like, well, duh, son, but sure. And then there's Luke, pulls his his cloak back, his his hood, and there he is in all of his 1983 glory. And I was just, my, my heart was racing, just chills throughout. I didn't, I didn't cry, but I was like so, I was so enthusiasm. I I, I was ecstatic. My my childhood was just rushing through my veins and we go through the scene and there's the parting of the adopted father and the adopted son. And of course that gets a little bit emotional, but I didn't shed a tear. And then they get into the turbo lift and it was just a perfect conclusion to a superior and dare I say perfect season of Mandalorian. It was just Top notch. Now I will throw one more cherry on top. After that experience, I didn't go back and watch the full episode again, but one night I was about to go to bed and I was just surfing on YouTube. And I happened to get a recommendation for like a um, a streamer's uh, montage of reactions to that sequence. You have all these experienced streamers who are very good at entertaining the audience and stuff. And they're from different countries as well. And, and they're watching this scene and, and this montage is put together interspliced with all their different reactions as the scene plays out. And then we get to that moment where they realize exactly who it is, where it's confirmed, where it's proven. And you see Luke going to town and they, they get emotional and they're giving off a yop. And, I, and in that moment, as I'm vicariously experiencing it with them, I just broke down in tears. I just started weeping. It was just this flood of emotion. And you're absolutely right, Alton. That hallway scene has been compared by many to the infamous scene of Vader at the end of Rogue One. And it was that very same experience, right? They set it all up. You know what the history is. You know what the timeline is, but you don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen next. And then they drop that breath and then that of the lightsaber coming to life and then just lighting the hallway red that scene is a perfect but emotionally equivalent foil to the scene with luke When Vader's doing it, you have this thrill, but it's a thrill based on dread. And in a way, secretly, maybe not so secretly, under the surface, you're rooting for Vader because you want to see him in all his glory. And that was the best live action Vader we had ever seen. And it was like less than 90 seconds long. And we got the exact same thing with Luke
2: Skywalker. I I firmly believe that that hallway scene from Rogue One is and this is my personal opinion. I understand there are a lot of people that are going to be disagree with me on this. I believe that that hallway scene is one of the defining pieces of cinema uh, in my yes. opinion. Um because you without any real dialogue perfectly establish who this character is, what they're about, why you should be absolutely to your core terrified. Of what's about to happen and it also cements the importance of what that team is trying to accomplish yes. because they know they are dead the moment yes. the lights go out they know there is no getting out but in the face of ultimate fear that we the viewers are also experiencing simultaneously you're watching something critical crucial yeah. and important happen and 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 you know the the impact of the scene in the mandalorian with luke is slightly different i don't believe that it was executed as technically perfectly as the rogue one scene was but nevertheless the General flow and emotion and what it does and what it establishes is still checking all those boxes for me.
1: I felt in I would um, I would say you know I was about to say in equal parts, but maybe they're not equal parts. Let's work through this for a second. You know um, the the Vader scene in Rogue One. You ha- there was the thrill of dread. I, I totally hear what you're saying because we know that Leia receives the stolen plans. Um, we know that that scene will answer the question how many rebels does it take to unscrew the galaxy right because Mm -hmm. as vader's walking through you see rebel after rebel give their life to pass a floppy disk so that they can get it where it needs to go and you hear them yelling desperately take this take this go 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 you know Um, And so you have this dread and then there's like this relief at the end when they get through, even though you know that's what's going to happen, but you also have a brand new or maybe a renewed appreciation for the severity, the viciousness, the ferocity of uh, Darth Vader of the turned Anakin. And then you, you take that and compare it to the Luke Skywalker scene. There is this. Jubilance that comes with seeing Luke in his prime doing things we never got a real chance to see him do at that level. And instead, you instead of going from a place of excitement to dread to relief, you go from a place of dread to excitement to relief. And and there's like you said, you know, Luke brings a calm, a strength of calmness and peace that you know it's going to be okay. And Vader brings that dread of nothing's going to be okay as long as yeah. he's on the board.
0: Well, and this is, I, I think, this is how amazing uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau are in developing this storyline. So, you know, look at Rogue One. It's pitch dark. We all have an, an innate fear of the dark. Okay, so that we're we, they're already foreshadowing what's gonna happen. It's dark, it's scary, we're tense, and then we hear the breathing, and we all know what happens when we hear that breathing. That you know, automatically our body. I mean, at least for me, this is what happened. My, our body's tense. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. The crimson blade ignites, and you see Vader. St- standing there in his armor and then everyone starts screaming and firing now for my entire life i have always gone why are you firing your your blasters at this guy you guys are idiots this is darth vader why are you even trying now to be fair i participated in in the the voids uh star wars experience that they had
1: rest in peace void
0: you know, we went yeah. through that, uh, me, Scott, and a couple other guys, we went through that. We get to the, there's a point and it's almost identical. There's this dark hallway. You hear the breathing, you see the crimson blade come out. And I was one of those idiots that started firing. It's like almost <laughs> instinct. I, you know, I've, I've never understood it until then. It's literally, I have to shoot or I die. And so yeah. it's just kind of panic. And I've never really understood that till actually being in that void experience. But yes, they start firing and you just see him tearing through these guys. We've never seen Vader in this magnitude before on screen. You know, we've seen it in comic books, stuff like that, but it just didn't have the majesty it did in in Rogue One. Yeah, see him tear through there. You hear them screaming and yelling. You hear, you see the lights going off, the alarms. So all that was built up on terror. Then we get the flip side, like you guys have said, it was silence there was no screaming i mean it was against you know the dark troopers they're droids they don't scream they don't panic there's no worry there's no alarms and so it was again that calm reassurance you see as he's just going through and slashing at him and and attacking even when the one grabs his arm and he just turns around and lightsabers through through the arm the other point where he crushes uh, another one of them um And I think that's where that calm reassurance comes from is because we didn't see the panic. It was lit up. There wasn't the darkness, there wasn't, you know, but they did foreshadow it really well Um, with Moff Gideon's face where he's all smug and happy and then he starts seeing things and then you start seeing the uneasiness settle on him um, to the point that he panics. Um, But again, they're brilliant story crafters, the way they did things. Uh, they set up for potentially some really big conflict in season three because of Bo Katan and, and Din and what he acquires. Um, I really like the flashbacks, or not the flashbacks, the nod they had. Um, you know, because Pedro played, uh,
1: a character in game plays, of thrones he plays the viper in game of thrones
0: yeah and you know he's goes supposed to go up against the mountains and like you should wear a helmet and he's like ah, i shouldn't wear a helmet then he gets his head crushed in you know and in this point you know he's one of the dark troopers just pounding away at his head but he's got the best guard helmet and it's it's nothing's happening and so when i saw that i just started laughing that was fantastic well it was
1: caving in the side of uh you know it was caving in a wall of a spaceship yeah because his helmet him. wouldn't give way and the dark yeah. trooper wouldn't stop
0: yeah, so I'm like, so this is, these little nods, I love how they do those things. It's a little thing here and a little thing there where you're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So, and I think if 7, 8, and 9 would have been done that way, I think we'd have a much, we wouldn't have such <sighs> a divided fan base. I think that's the biggest problem. If um, 7, I 8, and 9 think, had
1: been crafted by Filoni and Favreau, it would have been, it it may have rivaled the original trilogy.
0: Yeah, yeah. it may have. And, and, no. Nothing against Abrams. I mean, Abrams did a good job, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure Abrams had to bow and yeah. Uh, it was filmed
2: yeah. by committee, which we've covered. Yeah, anyway. Alton, what's your comment though? Well, so so my my thought is is that we might need to do an episode very soon this year in which we discuss the implications of Mandalorian season two, including the post credits scene. Oh yeah, mm. but also uh, just talking about some of the uh, the rumor mill and things like that of some of the implications of what had happened because there had already been a rumor as Mandalorian was finishing development that you know they were unsure about how Episode Nine was going to turn out and there was a rumor that Kennedy was maybe going to get kicked out and maybe they were going to find some way to whitewash this the seven eight nine and start fresh um after season one came out and was received so well a lot of those rumors strengthened and some of them got even much more specific um at this point there's more interesting things to have and i don't think that's an episode for today we've taken a lot of time today right. uh but nevertheless if you're listening to us now first off thank you mr feloni and thank you mr Favreau for putting your heart and soul into this. We feel it, we recognize it, and we are so, so glad to be a part of Star Wars again. I literally applaud them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well and I, wanna,
0: awesome. I, I wanna throw one more thing in there. I wanna say thank you for showing us a Boba Fett that is lethal.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. thank I you mean, for giving us a Boba Fett that does stuff.
0: I mean, he had a freaking staff and was taking out Stormtroopers left and right. Now that is this, the Boba Fett we've always we, we've heard of, we've wanted to see. I mean, we've seen it in the comics, we've read it in the stories, but we've never seen it on the screen. We have just kind of seen him stand around and look intimidating and fall into a sarlacc pit by getting hit by a blind guy. <laughs> this really shows the Boba Fett yeah. that we've all known and loved, um, which I oh man, just fantastic.
1: Absolutely, so, absolutely. But yes, no.
0: I applaud their work on this. They did a great job in both uh, season one and two. I'm excited to see what they do with the rest of the. I mean, it looks like what? We were getting like eight or nine different Star Wars TV shows.
2: uh, Yeah.
0: A while. Yeah. Um, You know, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Book of Boba, The Bad Batch. um, I, I know there are several more. Those are just the ones that are coming to mind. I mean, there's, I mean, that's five right there with, with, Mandalorian included in that um so I'm excited I really am I think as long as these guys and the directors they're bringing in under their guidance continue to bring us a product like this we're gonna have some fantastic Star Wars in in the future I mean Bryce Dallas Howard I mean her father Ron Howard did solo she's done a fantastic job yeah she is Um, She has got an amazing eye as a director. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Yes, Grogu is gone for a while. That's okay. But I'm pretty sure they're going to come up with something else. This is going to be just as amazing. Yeah. So, all right. We've ate up a lot of time. We'll have some more awesome shows. We'll definitely have to do a conversation uh, about that, as well as other great, fantastic topics in the geek universe. Uh, with that said,
2: we're out of here. Dungeon Crawlers, welcome to the new year, and tell your story, whatever may
1: come. Hop onto the Discord server, join the conversation, we'll post a new question up there very soon. And always remember to be epic, and don't
2: suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, Always.